All right, well, let's get straight into this then. This feature is brought to you by the Water Research Commission, and it's day two of the Fifth Water Research Commission Symposium. It's a key event in the country's water sector calendar, and this year is taking place under the theme Reimagine, Rebuild, and Repeat future-proofing water. They're celebrating 50 golden years of building a resilient water sector amidst the enduring and disruptive COVID-19 global pandemic. Let me welcome onto the show Desigjan Naidu, the CEO of the Water Research Commission. Mr. Naidu, good morning and thank you for your time today. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to all your listeners, and thank you so much for having us on. Let me also welcome Dr. Mamotloding Kahale, who is the Head of International and Stakeholder Engagement at the Water Research Commission. Dr. Kahale, good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and the SAF listeners. Thank you for having us here. Mm. So yesterday we began the first part of the conversation really looking at where South Africa is and, you know, how do we future-proof our water supply. And a lot has been said about the challenges that we are facing collectively as a country. I suppose it's now about, you know, drilling down to what are the solutions that need to be implemented and how soon those need to be put in place? Uh, Mr. Naidu? Yes, Kathy, it's exactly that. And if I can pick up on your last conversation uh, around COVID, although the conversation has been around the vaccines, one of the things that COVID has done in the water sector, as it does done in every other sector and in every country in the world, it, is, it has shown us very starkly how low our resilience capacity is. Mm-hmm. Our ability to respond to any kind of crisis is extraordinarily low. The second thing it emphasized very strongly is how critically important water and sanitation and wastewater is in order for us to maintain a healthy enough lifestyle so we can have health security, but for every other aspect of human life. And the reality about South Africa and this is a global problem, is that on the back of climate change, and climate change is very much with us, we really have to up our game. So what we were talking about in the symposium, and it is all of our partners locally as well as our partners internationally, is to celebrate what we have achieved to date because the journey has been good, but be very realistic about how much bigger the challenge is going into the future and how much more we need to pull up our bootstraps, if you like, in order Mm. to engage it. And one of the biggest issues is that we may have to completely change the way in which we manage water in South Africa, in Africa, and the world in order for us to be able to be resilient going into the future. Mm. Dr. Klakhali, you you know, just listening to what Mr. Naidu is saying, it it highlights one of the biggest problems that the country has been dealing with. And it's often that where there are disruptions to water supply, often it has come as a response uh, and as a result of whatever is happening at the time, whether, you know, we've had floods that have interrupted water supply, clean water supply at least, where we've had drought that has interrupted water supply. So we're always responding to the crisis of the moment and COVID-19 very much also fell into the same uh, the, the, the same trap. 
Dr. Tlachan? I didn't. Yes, I didn't hear the question. So, 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 what I'm saying is that one of the difficulties is that is that as a country, we are often responding to whatever climate crisis that we are facing at the time uh, that is leading to us having water shortages, instead of being proactive and, and really ensuring that we're not always at, at the back end and, and having the kind of impact that we're seeing under COVID-19, when there's a flood, when there are droughts that leave communities really in a very dire state. Yes, indeed, Cathy. What the Water Research Commission is doing, actually, is we do do research way in advance Mm. to warn us and to kind of um, give us a a sign that we will have a specific challenge or or potential national um, water shortages and so forth. And we try and then work with the decision makers in the country to make sure that they are aware of that knowledge that we're getting from the research. And for example, also, we, we have done a lot of work. There is this project that we are doing with the rural community in Chakuma village, Zembe district in Limpopo, where there is a community that is not serviced um, by the, the, the municipalities for water. So what we've done as a Water Research Commission, together with our local and international partners, we identified that as village, for example, and we're doing projects with them to put water supply um, structures there for them before it gets even worse. So this multiple water use um, structure that we've put in Chakuma village then helps them to be able to get water for their household, their livestock and irrigation. So from the water research point of view, we do do research on a daily basis, of mm. course, and we make sure that we look at potential red flags that could affect the country and make sure that we then disseminate the information when it is available to our policy makers and other decision makers to prevent such challenges from being experienced in the country. Mr. Naidu, how much of an impact is the changing climate, the changing weather patterns? How much of that will need to guide how we, you know, guide the relationship we have with water uh, going, going forward? You know, Kathy, it is absolutely enormous. Uh, One of the things that has been released recently is the latest IPCC report. It is part of a suite of reports that will continue into next year. And what we're finding out in that report is so drastic that yesterday the United Nations Secretary General called it Code Red for Humanity. Mm. You know, that we are already at 1.2 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial range, it is more than likely that we will reach the 1.5 degrees above the range that we were hoping would only happen in 2100. It's going to happen before 2040. And this already explains what we have been experiencing in this country and in this region in the last little while. We've had flood events. We've had extreme drought events. On most, one of the most severely impactful El Nino in a century, actually. We've, we've seen out six years of drought in this country. There's about seven years of drought in the region. In the middle of all of that, we had tropical cyclone Idai uh, next door in Mozambique, which was so, so destructive. So climate change is not the future. It is here. And even when you don't have these extreme events, the rainfall patterns are completely different, and we know this. We're now getting an entire season of rainfall in a couple of weeks spread out in that season, which means really intense rain very, very quickly, 
and our storage mechanisms and our infrastructure is not able to cope with this. Mm. So the reality of climate change is very much here and now. We also know that this scenario is not going to change too much going to the future. So a very big part of the push now and a very big part of the research that we're doing around the future proofing for water is how to adapt to these new systems, how to get resilience and water security within these extreme events, within the fact that our storage mechanisms need to be much smarter. So the kinds of things that we're pushing very strongly that will give water security to all of our communities, one is that there is no question that we have to use a lot less. Two, recycling has to become mainstay in the way that we do things. And three, one of the most effective storage mechanisms that we have is actually underground. We mustn't just use the groundwater increasingly. We must actually use our underground storage as the mechanism, the preferred mechanism to store water going into the future. If we don't put these couple of things in place, we're going to have a very, very dismal water future. So we're dealing with a situation here where part of the solution lies in, you know, the, the, the kind of policies that are adopted and that really can can trigger, you know, the, the, the big and the, the large scale responses on a national level. But, you know, I'm thinking from the perspective of myself and my listeners, what is it that I, as an individual today, that I need to be doing. You're talking about, you know, underground water storage. And I'm thinking, hmm, how am I going to store water underground? So what what are the things that we as ordinary South Africans can be practically doing to be part of part of the solution? And and do you think that we've been given the tools to be able to do that? Because it's one thing to say, well, you have to recycle your water, um, but are people supposed to take the water out of the bath, go and, uh, you know, water their gardens? And is it really practical? Is it convenient? Because we know so many things actually feed into what people ultimately end up choosing to do or not to do? You know, that, that, that is a very, very good question. And, and the answer is going to surprise you. Because as individuals, we can do a hell of a lot. Mm. Now, the first couple of things we already know about, because we have drought so regularly in this country, we are, are all okay with the saving mechanisms that we have to engage. We have to watch how much water we use for the different activities, we have to reduce the time we spend in showers. We should not be taking baths. We know all of those things. We also know when to water our gardens. You don't do it in the middle of the day. Even if your municipality is wasting water by doing it in the middle of the day, you can't do that. But actually, it goes beyond that. Every single day, Kathy, you and I and Mamushtading make certain buying decisions that determine whether or not a lot of water is used or very little water is used. Let's start with what we eat. We have a choice every day around what we eat. And every single thing that we eat every day has a water budget attached to it. X number of liters produces bits that you eat. A hundred X produces that half a kilogram of beef that you're cooking for your family. And you make that choice every single day. You can either make a water-wise choice around what you eat or you make a water-expensive choice around what you eat because there's a whole back-end system that makes that, that, system, that whole thing comes to you. 
you then extend that to your entire grocery basket beyond the things that you eat into the other things that you use in your household. And a lot of these information, this information is available in fact sheets all over the place that we have the possibility of organizing not only to reduce our personal water budgets, but by the choices that we make as consumers, we then influence our societal water budgets as well. And this is something that we have to get to in a very serious way. The next thing that we have to do is that we have to start clubbing together. I mean, Ubuntu is something that we teach the rest of the world. We need to practice it ourselves. And Ubuntu is not only about I am because we are. It's also about recognizing that together we can make a much bigger difference than we can individually. So, yes, it's impossible for Kathy to go and invest in a large recycling system in her own house. But where Kathy lives, together with her neighbors, you can organize a system where you can do it together. You know, for those people who live in closed complexes, for example, uh, which many of your listeners do, those complexes need to make those kinds of decisions. You know, are we collecting the stormwater in a smart enough way? Are we organizing to pool the water to be recycled so we can have some measure of reasonable treatment and pump that back into the system. Because if we do all of this in our households, we will need only 10% of new water coming into our household every day compared to what you currently have. Because 90% of the uses in your household will be taken care of by the recycling system. So yes, it seems like a lot, but if we put our minds to it and we put our, pull our resources together, we can make very, very big differences. Dr. Kakhali, let me, let me bring you in here and perhaps also give you an opportunity to weigh in just on this angle of you, yeah. what we as, as, as people, as residents can be doing. What is you know, the power that we have within, within our reach? Yes, so in addition to what um, the CEO had just said, I think there's also an element where there are new innovative solutions that come on board. So speaking from the WRC perspective, for example, we come with a new toilet solution that helps us to save a lot of water that we waste in flushing the toilet. But you'll find that we as a people or... Um, the people that are supposed to be using those solutions, we are reluctant. We don't support those innovative solutions. We have um, some some perspective that we've built in our head. So it is very important for us as people who are using the solutions to also support the innovators, to support the knowledge workers they, when they come with the solutions to us. Because if they come with these brilliant solutions, but we are refusing to use them, then we go back. And these people, when they develop the new solutions, they make sure that they look at the future. So for example, as I've said with a toilet, they're trying to develop new toilets now that use less water, because we know that we have a problem with water. But you go and want to put those toilets in a community, they refuse it because it's not the normal toilet that flushes that they are used to. So I think that is another big element that the people can come on board as just normal people, citizens of this country. And secondly, maybe to add that there are projects that we are implementing so it's very important for us as communities to also support this project, make them our own, because these projects are done to support us. They are done to improve our services, be it water or sanitation. And we protect them with our lives, because there's lots of projects where we see the infrastructure being vandalized and things like that. So as the citizens, I think it's very important that we also work with the people that are trying to provide solutions to us so that this solution stays and they really benefit us as the people intended to be benefited by them. 
Fantastic. Let me thank you both for coming on to the show today. Desijan Naidu, the CEO of the Water Research Commission, and Dr. Mamu Claudine Klachale, who is the Head of International and Stakeholder Engagement at the Water Research Commission. Thank you for this conversation. It's 10.30 and Musa is standing by with a look at your latest headlines.